pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football, heaven. The second hour is live on President's Day. We are talking about college coaches who may as well be presidents as much attention as they get. Chris Lowe joining us to talk about his latest on ESPN, Who Needs to Do What, is the theme of the article. Who has the most to prove? Picture of uh, one who hasn't even coached his first game yet. And there's, and, there's, and there's already conversation about what he needs to prove. Chris Lowe joining us. Always great to talk to you, Chris. Thank you very, very much uh, for the time. So uh, let's start with coaches. Uh, there, there's a pretty good list of coaches who have something to prove. Uh, good afternoon. Tell us uh, where you begin. Well, Paul, it's great to be with you, man, always. And uh, it's always good to talk college football. Never end. Yeah, let's start right in Tuscaloosa. And, and you look at what Kalen DeBoer did in two years. He's got Washington in this national championship game, a team that was I think four and eight, two years before he got there, or the year before he got there. And here he is at Alabama replacing a guy by the name of Nick Saban. And there are a lot of guys, trust me, I talked to people all over the industry, he wanted no part of that job. They don't. They did not want in any way, shape, or form to have to go in behind Nick Saban. And who could blame him? And yet, Kalen DeBoer was willing to step up and, and take on that challenge. He understands what he's facing. But here's, here's I think, the caveat that's a little bit different. With college football going to 12 teams in the playoff, I think the pressure ratchets up on everybody, including a Kalen DeBoer, because all fan bases, all collective uh, donor collectives, ADs, everyone is going to expect you to be in the playoff every year. Whereas if you know you just missed or you went to a New Year's Six Bowl, okay, they'll, they'll get it next year. Well, now with 12 teams, Paul, and everybody making what they're making, uh, kids making what they're making in IL. And Nick Saban haven't gone to the playoffs seemingly every year. Uh, and, oh, by the way, won six titles at Alabama. I think the pressure, whoever was going to come in there, Kayla DeBoer, Steve Sarkeesian, anybody, uh, was going to be out the roof, especially with uh, the playoff going to 12 teams. Yeah, and, and Chris, if you broaden it a little bit more, uh, there's a coach in California that it looked like he was headed for a big year last year with the number one quarterback. It all fell apart, so... I hate to put any pressure on him because uh, he wouldn't have trouble finding work. But what about Lincoln Riley? That's somebody you pointed out in the article. Yeah, he was my choice. Uh, it, it, the guy that I think has got as much or more approved than anybody in college football because resources aren't a problem there. Recruiting bases isn't a problem. Their NIL collective is as good and as aggressive as any in college football. But you had the Heisman Trophy winner from two years ago, and you come back with an 8-5 record. You haven't been in the playoffs yet. You haven't won a conference title. Now, when he was Oklahoma, they were regular participants in the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden, just like I mentioned with Kalen, you expand the playoffs to 12 teams, you're going into the Big Ten, and you don't make it in the first year if you're Lincoln Riley. I'm not suggesting the guy's going to lose his job, but you know what the the fallout's going to be there in L.A. if in year three they still aren't in the playoffs in a 12-team format. Let's uh, get to a couple of other ones. Uh, and uh, quarterbacks and players are always uh, big, uh, and, and every school has some issues. But uh, you, you mentioned 
the quarterback at Tennessee. And I thought, I thought when, in dealing with Nico, you had an interesting line. You said no player since Peyton Manning has walked into walked onto Tennessee's campus with this much much pressure to not only perform, which all are expected, but to perform at an elite level. I don't think it's close, Paul. I've been I've covered that program in college football going back to when Peyton was in school. And, and I went back through before I wrote that and sort of tried to go through the players, the highly ranked players. And they recruited a lot of big-time players there over the years, certainly when Philip Fulmer was there. But I can't think of anybody that has had the hype, the expectations, and the talent. So this kid can really throw the football that people, fan base, looks at and says, okay, he's the guy that's going to get us back to winning a championship or playing for a championship. And, you know, you got the reported $8 million deal when you came to Tennessee from California. You saw, you got a, you got a sort of a taste of what he could do in the bowl game, accounting for four touchdowns. He's the guy that everyone's going to be looking for or toward uh, in Tennessee Orange to take Tennessee to, you know, back to where they haven't been in, in you know, two decades, and that's playing for a, a championship. I think it gets down to what do they do around him, and I know they have spent uh, pretty aggressively in the portal to try to surround him with, with guys that can protect him up front, receivers. Uh, and I think the other thing, too, is when you look at the schedule and you look again at the 12-team format, I think a realistic expectation, and I think every Tennessee fan you talk to is going to expect Tennessee in year four to Josh Heifel to be in the playoff next year. Uh, so I think the guy, again, when you start – Adding it all together, uh, Nico is the guy that sort of it, it sort of ends or starts ends with him. How how good a year does he have? And probably more fairly toward him is how well they play around it, Paul. And finally, on, on this part of the conversation, Chris, uh, the questions asked, you know, which which transfer has the most improved? You you went with the number one recruit in the country, Walter Nolan, coming over to Ole Miss from. Texas A&M, uh, this guy is a difference maker. Uh, explain. Yeah, well, he's he's the kind of missing piece on defense that Lane hasn't had there at Ole Miss, you know, right there in the middle of that defensive line. We saw it in flashes the last two years. They need him to be a disruptor on every down. And he certainly has that type of talent, Paul, to, to be that guy. And they brought in other pieces, too, around him. You know, it's not like he's going to be a one-man show up front. Uh, so he is – in my mind, he was the number one recruit two years ago in all of college football. Uh, now here in year three, this will be his third year in the SEC, his third year on the college campus. Uh, this is here to me that he should and I think will explode as be one of those players up front for Ole Miss that gets them defensively on par with where they have been on offense. So this is the best roster Lane Kiffin has had since he's been in Oxford. And there again, like some of these other teams we talked about, 12-team playoff, they're going to be a top-10 team going into the season for whatever that's worth. This is his best shot to get Ole Miss to a playoff and have a chance to win a, ta- a championship. Finally, uh, Chris, uh, we've had any number of conversations with you over these last years about uh, a subject you have probably written about more than any other one, Nick Saban. Usually when a coach retires, we all move on. He's still very newsworthy. We've seen him at a couple of golf tournaments. We saw him Saturday at a basketball game. Uh, something tells me you are—you may not have a GPS on his uh, uh, on his <laughs> Ferrari, but you have a pretty good idea what he's been up to. Explain. Well, I just wish he would sell me a Ferrari at a discount <laughs> rate. 
maybe we both could get out of that. Now, I hope to catch up with Nick here in the next the next week, visit with him. He's been on the move. I think that's by design. You know, he's not a sit-around kind of guy. You know that. Uh, they were down in Florida and Terry. Now he's back. Uh, and I, um, I can tell you this, you know, as soon as I saw – and I knew that was in the works, that he was going to join ESPN. He was going to be very involved in their draft coverage. Uh, that guy's been watching tape and watching film on every player who's ever played two or three snaps in college football. He will be as prepared as any draft analyst they've ever had when he's a part of their draft coverage. I, I can't wait to watch it because he's going to know everything about everybody. Well, we will be waiting anxiously uh, and eagerly uh, when you uh, catch up with him. Uh, Chris, many, many thanks. Chris Lowe, always uh, fantastic to uh, speak with him from ESPN. We'll take a short break. Back with more after this. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash Paul. That's HIMSS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Back here on a Monday, President's Day. Logan is up next. Good afternoon, Logan. Hey, Paul. I was wondering who's uh, who's the fa- your favorite president in your lifetime? Uh, well, I, I'd say my favorite all time would be Lincoln. Um, right. During my lifetime, that's a that's a tough one, man. Uh, there's a there's a few grim choices. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to say, for me, it's definitely uh, Jimmy Carter, President Carter. I uh, I wrote him a letter back in 2013, and he freaking wrote me back, Paul. That's amazing. And it was awesome, man. Yeah, he invited me down to Plains, Georgia. I was I was going to go, but I figured the Secret Service probably wouldn't probably like that. You know, That's Logan, really uh, like, well, having lived nice. through his presidency, I mean, I, I, I don't say this uh, – anything other than being truthful. I mean, he was, at times, uh, he was inept because he, he wore his heart on his sleeve during his presidency, and he, uh, he had a, a series of terribly uh, bad luck 
in terms of the, the way the world was, but uh, right. he was clearly the most uh, impactful post-president uh, we've ever had. He's also lived longer than anyone. He, he went out, of, he left office on January 20th, 1981, and he's still, he's still alive 40 yeah. years later. He's done some amazing stuff in his post-presidency ball. I mean, he's, he's done some amazing stuff. Um, hey, the reason I called you, though, I was uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the Auburn-Kentucky game. Uh, I hadn't seen Auburn play all this this whole year. This is the first time I saw them play. And uh, I kept hearing about their home field, home court advantage and how great it was. And I just didn't see any, I didn't see any of that in no. that game. I mean, Kentucky was quicker. They were more physical. Um, their guard play was much better than Auburn. Um, my, my pops is a big Auburn fan, so he was really disappointed, but I was just thinking, what do you think about their run? I, I think their guard play is going to do them in, in the tournament. Well, I not only that, and, uh, nobody's, uh, I haven't heard anything on, uh, Jalen Williams injury, but, uh, it sounds, it sounds like it's a, a problem. And I think, uh, he, he's such a key to their their overall uh, depth and, and, and ability. I, I, I was just underwhelmed. I mean, I couldn't wait for that game. And I, I mean, Kentucky, I mean, they shot very well, but Auburn, I mean, they, they and I, and by the way, I, and, and I've always been a fan of his, but I thought, I thought, I thought Bruce Pearl made a fool out of himself in that post-game press conference. Uh, I mean, just, hey, just go in there and say we got beat. Uh, you know, we, we lost to this same team by 35 points in, in 2019 and went to the Final Four, and we plan on doing it again. Instead, I mean, you could get a psychiatrist to break down uh, his defense mechanisms. I mean, on top of – I mean, Calipari, I mean, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to but, – but I, I was really disappointed in Bruce Pearls. And I, all I saw was what we played here at the top of the show, but that's mm-hmm. not the Bruce Pearl I remember. Yeah, I don't know. That was that was really weird. It's like he was being super defensive. And yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm, you I'm lost a game. It's one game. Uh, yeah. And I, I think he knew how disappointed his fan base was. He knew how – I mean, mm-hmm. I had friends from uh, – a couple of – a friend of mine from Washington, D.C. came down. He was saying, hey, what's what's Neville like? And, and I said, man, it, it will be unlike any place you've ever been. And, and I think so many people said that to so many others – uh, and it was a bust, uh, and that, that's yeah. all you can say when when you when you have a game like that. Yeah, it was like more Neville Chamberlain than Neville Arena. Yeah, he, it really just, was uh, uh, surrendering uh, before well. it even started. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't know. I was. I was. I mean, I'd heard all this stuff about they're un, they're untouchable. This is place yeah. is the jungle. And yeah, it just didn't it didn't uh, didn't live up to at all what I expected. I was I was ready for some. But for a guy you know, who for a guy who uh, is always one of the most glib coaches, who spent what three years during his exile at ESPN. I mean, I just is that the best you can come up with is uh, is trying to outsmart the media when you're not going to be able to pull it off. The results <laughs> of the game speak for themselves. Yeah, and he's wearing that skin-tight shirt. Yeah, that didn't well, really help. You know, again, that's another story. <laughs> All right, Paul. Hey, hey thank man. you. Okay, it's good great. Talking. Glad we made some friends in Auburn with that phone call. Um, Brad is up next in Macon, Georgia. Hey, Mr. Paul. How you doing, brother? Hey, Brad. Hey, Mr. Paul. On President's Day, just to throw this in before I get to my real call, I'll take FDR as my favorite president, because we wouldn't fight each other. We were actually fighting for mankind. 
because who knows what would have happened if if the Axis would have prevailed in that and the Allies got it done. And it's because of the greatest generation of all time, and they'll always be the greatest, Paul. Well, I, I don't, uh, I don't find any fault with what you said. I mean, he, uh, FDR, who, who's the only president who had four terms, uh, that's correct. Led this country. Uh, I, I, what we're talking about here is two different things. I mean, Lincoln led during the most. I was about to say the most divisive period of history, although that could be today. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, the, I mean sure. considering that in uh, what happened in, uh, during the, the late 30s and 40s, the fact that we had a second world war within, uh, what, 20 right. years, uh, 23 yeah. years of the, of the first one ending is pretty remarkable. And, and, the, and the things that he had to overcome uh, because of polio. No doubt. But, Mr. Paul, guess what? I ran into somebody yesterday at the gym that your coworkers with. He's a very nice guy. I'd say nice would be understated. Analyst. So I was at the gym yesterday and just happened to turn around and I was talking to my buddy. I said, Hey man, do you know who that is right there? He goes, No. I said, Man, that's Tim Tebow right there. He says, No. And I said, All right, wait. And I let him finish out his little set. And then I went over there and I said, Tim Tebow. And he said, yes. And I said, man, what are you doing in Macon, Georgia? And he had a speaking engagement here. Oh, my. But I want to, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, man, the guy is a beast. He is massive. And I got luckily, I got a picture with him. Oh, that is great. And the gym wasn't crowded, so he was low-key. And, you know, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't think the Lord could have created such a – more beautiful person than Tim Tebow. You, you know, Brad, uh, I, 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 know, I know the experience you've had because it happened to me about 10 years ago and it's probably happened dozens of times since where on Friday night or early Saturday morning, I'll, I'll be uh, you know, all uh, 102 pounds of myself uh, in the gym, try, yeah, I mean, trying to act like I know what I'm doing. And, and then I, I happen to look over my shoulder and there's Tebow pressing 9,000 pounds. Oh my going, gosh. I keep saying to myself, I hope he doesn't notice me in here. Um, well, I'll tell you, go ahead, Mr. Paul. No, no, no. I'm, I'm so glad you did. Cause Tim, uh, uh, I've been around him uh, enough times to know that everything you said is, is a hundred percent true. And, uh, he is, he is well, real and genuine and uh, incredibly accommodating. He is. And you know something, once I got my picture and there was nobody there, we let him go in and do his work workout because we knew he was going to be flying out yesterday after, you know, because he did his speech on Saturday. So he just wanted to get a quick workout and get on a plane and go home. So, you know, he was able to do that. And But you know something, Paul, I just want to tell you this. There are certain gyms that you find when you grow growing. When you go going through life, and Tim's one of them, but I'm gonna tell you something, Paul. You're one of them, and these gems are so hard to find these days. And there's not a day that I'm not grateful for your show, the outlet you provide to your callers, no matter how wacky or how whatever it gets. I just want you to know that I really appreciate you, and you mean something to me, and you've enriched my life. Well, Brad, I, I can't thank you enough for. Uh for that and and you be well and uh i'm so glad uh you had the opportunity to meet tim because that is a uh 
that's a memory you will take with you a long, long time. Thanks so much. You be well. Take care of yourself, uh, and thank you for calling. Ross Dellinger, uh, Dellinger will be with us in just a minute, and we're coming right back. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. From Yahoo, as CFB's elite is engulfed in a power struggle, G5 just... Trying to survive. We are a farm system. This is a, a Ross Dellinger piece in Yahoo. A lot, of, a lot of other things to talk about, too, with Ross in a minute. The CFP meeting this week. Some news on that could be happening. Ross, good afternoon. Thanks so much. Let's start with the, uh, the farm system. Uh, that's quite a statement to make. Uh, take us through your reporting. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul, the, uh, you know, there's always obviously been a gap, you know, revenue gap between the group of five and the power five for going back years and years, whether it's, you know, ticket sales or donations or uh, TV contracts, but that gap obviously has uh, exacerbated and, and, and grown with, uh, with the, the advent of, of NIL and in these new bigger TV contracts as well. And there, you know, there does seem to be uh more of a gap than we've ever seen between the two. And so just kind of dug in a little bit to see the uh, check the temperature, so to speak, from a group of five ADs and, and coaches, football coaches about the, you know, the state of, uh, of college sports right now from their vantage point, you know, while these power leagues and stuff, you know, uh, uh, where they debate about the CFP and, and uh, you know, future model for, college athletics uh, that they'll certainly be a part of. The G5 are wondering if they're going to be a part of that future, you know, uh, as the gap, money gap continues to grow. So I thought there's some interesting things that I found out from group of five coaches. Um, and this is no secret, really, but uh, obviously power fives are, are poaching group of five rosters. It's been happening now, you know, for a while, but, but certainly since NIL. Right, it's it's been happening a lot. On the on average, Paul, the uh, the average uh, NIL collective at the at a group of five school is about twenty uh, percent of what a, a power five collect, collective is. So, at the high end of group of five, they might have a million dollars in their collective. You know, power five programs have probably at least three, four, five million. So it's about five, six times 
the amount on average. And so you could see where that could impact recruiting in a roster. And I thought maybe the most interesting thing was Jamie Chadwell, the Coastal Carolina coach who you quoted saying we're a farm system. He also told me that Power 5 schools that use up all of their scholarships, don't have any more scholarship spots, are adding, still adding players in a walk-on role, quote-unquote, but their collective is putting the bill for tuition. Um, so they, they kind of layer on extra money, $50,000, $60,000 for that tuition. Uh, so it's, it's pretty interesting, pretty wild right now, kind of what's going on in the world of recruiting. Ross Dellinger with us from Yahoo. Ross, uh, I also mentioned the CFP meeting this week. Sometimes that can be pretty standard fare, but there's been a lot of news out there, and I know you've been reporting on where exactly is the CFP on a television agreement moving forward. Uh, what do you know? Well, yeah, we, we know, you know, about six weeks ago or so, ESPN uh, actually reported that, uh, that ESPN was in uh, discussions to, to remain the sole rights holder of uh, the CFP, uh, six-year extension to go through 2031, $1.3 billion uh, annually. Uh, and then last week, The Athletic reported that, you know, that deal had been agreed upon. Um, you know, I just uh, obtained a, an email from John Steinbrecher. He's, he's the commissioner of the MAC, Paul. But also, he holds a pretty big place in the CFP management committee uh, with the commissioners. He often chairs their committee meetings, actually. He's chairing the one, I believe, this week. And he sent an email. I, I was able to obtain an email that uh, he sent to his athletic directors calling those reports from last week incorrect, that no TV deal has been agreed upon. Uh, the CFP and ESPN have not agreed on anything. In fact, he said in the email to his athletic directors, that the CFP management committee, as well as the CFP board of managers, which is the president, have not even reviewed a proposal from, from ESPN. So I think in order for us to get us in the, in the we sense, the CFP, to get a TV deal, Paul, there are a lot of unresolved issues. I've written about them extensively the last, especially the last few weeks, right? There's probably three big unresolved matters. I think that CFP commissioners will be talking about on Wednesday, uh, and that is uh, a future revenue distribution model starting in 2026, because as we know, right, there's no contract, but beyond 2025, um, they're talking about extending it, as we just mentioned, but there's no contract. So it's rev distribution model, it's the voting rights structure, and it's potentially the format, the 12-team format. It's talking about those, all those three things pretty seriously and obviously the power too, right? The big kid and SEC are going to want probably a little more money, going to want a little more power when it comes to voting, and they may want to reexamine the format, uh, Paul. And then on Tuesday, day before commissioners meet, the uh, board of presidents, the board of managers, will uh, they will meet virtually on a call where Kirk Schulz, the Washington State president, who represents the Pac-12 on that board, because they still have a spot on that board, Paul, for two more years, he will propose, uh, kind of introduce a proposal to board members uh, seeking uh, the Pac-12 to remain a Power Five and have Power Five voting rights and have uh, other long-term guarantees for revenue distribution beyond 25. So he's going to make that pitch Tuesday. So, and they'll probably, after that pitch, Paul, they will vote on moving from a six-plus-six 
model to a five plus seven. So there is a lot, a lot going on this week with the CFT. Listen, uh, the guy from uh, Washington State, I believe, is the same one who helped blow up uh, the 12-team playoff going a year earlier. Why, why should anyone? I'm sure there's got to be a good reason for this. Why should anyone listen to this guy? Well, um, the the uh, first thing is in order to move uh, from a, a six plus six to a five plus seven, in order to change this format for the next two years. Uh, you need unanimity on the board, and they've still got full voting rights to Pac-12. So I think there's a little bit of leverage there that he's playing with here, him and, and Oregon State's president. They will both actually, I believe, be on the call, uh, on, on the board call on Tuesday, and they'll both pitch this proposal. Uh, so maybe now, now Kirk Scholes told us in the interview last week he's not tying his vote to the proposal being granted. Uh, but, look, you know, this is a obvious leverage play, and he would like this to be granted. And if it's not, does he not does he withhold and block the vote? I, I don't know. He talked pretty favorably about the 5 plus 7. It would behoove the Pac-12 to go to a, system, a, a format that has more at large, you know, because they don't, they can't earn an automatic qualifier because they don't have at least eight schools in their conference. They only have two, of course, going forward. So they're going to listen to him, Paul, and they delayed the vote already. It was supposed to happen last month. They're going to listen to him because I think they need his vote uh, in order to to make this transition a format. But I will tell you this. I do not expect that proposal to be granted. Um, it would surprise me if the board uh, gives any anybody really, uh, aside from the Big Ten and SEC, any kind of long-term guarantees uh, beyond 2025. And we don't even know – with the Pac-12, if it will be a conference. We, we don't even know that. So uh, I, I'll be surprised if that's granted. Finally, Ross, uh, since you broke the story about three weeks ago about the convergence of the SEC in the Big Ten, a lot of people have speculated and, and given uh, various opinions. Uh, with a few more weeks to digest as opposed to talking to us that day from a train station, uh, what can you tell us about this uh, new marriage? Well, I think it's, yeah, it's still, uh, still in the, the early stages somewhat. Um, of course, there is some urgency, right? We've, uh, we've got to, uh, the, the college sports has got to come up with some new model, right? So it can stop being sued. Some revenue sharing collective bargaining model is certainly in the works. Uh, and I think the big kid and SEC, that, that's probably the primary goal, right? Of, of this uh, joint board is to come up with some kind of uh, new model. So I think it's still somewhat early. Uh, I do. I, I know that there were some selections made. Uh, I believe I've heard a few a few ads that have been um, selected on the board, unconfirmed. But so you're just starting to hear some things about them coming together. I would guess uh, we'll, we'll have uh, a more firm grasp on, on on who's on that board over the. You know, over the next probably two weeks or, or so, I'm, I'm sure will things will be finalized, and they'll start meeting in earnest, Paul, to, to try to come up with some new model for the future of college sports. Considering the conversation we just had about Schultz and Washington State, and 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 the fact that that system is already convoluted, I mean, is is there any likelihood, or or is it just uh, wild speculation that the Big Ten and, and the SEC could say, listen, we we control almost everything in the sport with the two major networks. 
uh, forget the two major networks, uh, the Fox, Fox has three or four different network deals. Uh, why don't we just go it alone? Well, you know, I, I, I think that is that certainly is something that's been bantered about, right, for, for years now that that would happen. And, and I think everybody's first reaction when they saw the, the news of the SEC Big Ten joint board was that this was an initial step into that direction. But, you know, Greg Sankey of the SEC and Tony Petitti of the Big Ten say that's not the case. This is not an initial step for a separation. But but here's how a separation can happen, and, and I know I've, I've said this on your show before. Uh, you know, we college sports needs a new model. It needs to settle the House antitrust case. It's a billion dollar lawsuit that could will cost college athletics and the conferences and the NCAA billions in retroactive NIL. And you got to find a way to settle that case, probably, right? That's kind of one of the goals, probably this joint advisory board is to get to a model to settle that case, a fair model that. I kind of settle that, that lawsuit. Well, everybody in college sports is probably not going to be able to afford, Paul, to settle that lawsuit and to buy into a new model. And that's where you're probably going to see the separation. Is it just the two leagues that can afford, afford it? Maybe. Prob- probably unlikely, right? There's going to be others, uh, certainly the other two power leagues probably. But that's where you're going to have the separation. And, and maybe everybody continues to compete with each other. But – uh, there are going to be some different conferences working uh, under some different rules and, uh, and, frankly, paying their players directly, right? That's that's what we're probably getting at here. Um, and you saw in that Group of Five story today that is posted at Yahoo Sports that I wrote is, is there's concern from Group of Five uh, ADs and coaches that they're going to be left behind. Uh, already this gap, NIL has grown the gap even more between the two. Uh, and the revenue streams, the TV contracts just getting so big. They, they, they're falling for, they feel like they're falling further behind. And I think there's a real fear that they could be completely left behind. I think Will Hall, the Southern Miss uh, coach, football coach, had a, a great quote in my story. He said, um, you know, you, you we're heading toward a new model. Uh, we got it. We got this NIL thing for two or three years. We got to survive. We got to survive these two or three years before we get to that new model. Because if you're left behind this go around, it'll be catastrophic and you might not be able to come back from it. And so I think that's a fear among a lot of college athletic administrators in the group of five and also probably in, in the ACC and Big 12. Always great uh, with Ross Schellinger. Nobody knows more on the college football front than Ross. Thank you very much, Ross. We head to the break now. More of your phone calls. In just a few minutes, we've already had Coach Yo, Ross, another guest or two will join us as we work our way through President's Day. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Texas A&M basketball, great game in College Station. Lisa in uh, is up next. Oh, hey, Lisa. Good afternoon. Hi. How you doing, Paul? Hey there. Um, I called the other day to find out how Carrie Good was. Yeah, um, and Randy didn't know who he was, and so I wanted to explain who he was because he's in the College Football Hall of Fame, oh, yeah, and he started the town. He was one of the Town Creek boys. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. He was a great player. Uh, you know, I, I, I think. Uh, listen, he played in the uh, '80s, so uh, I can understand that somebody might not have known. But uh, you can bet I knew, I know the family, and I know Kerry. Yeah. Well, good. Um, oh, I also wanted to say what football was like before Saban. Because remember when we had to look through the guide to see where the Alabama game was playing, what 900 level it was playing on? This was when we moved up to Vancouver. Oh, okay. And where do you where do you live now, uh, Lisa? Well, I'm traveling in an RV in Florida right now, but I'm from Vancouver. Okay. Well, thank you very much for calling. Stanley is in Louisville. Hello, Stanley. Hey, Stanley. Paul, first time caller. I got two questions for you. Yes. What do you think about the Kentucky win as far as the tournament goes for us? And what do you think about our new offensive coordinator for football? Yeah, I think the coordinator. I mean, I'm. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's Liam Cohn, but uh, I think it's a certainly a credible hire. I, as far as Kentucky basketball, I'm back to where, I've, where where I always start the season, thinking Kentucky can get to the Final Four. I just I'm a I'm a glutton for punishment, but uh, I thought Saturday showed what this team is capable of. That was my only question. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Great to hear from you. A lot of conversation. All of that. I mean, Kentucky with its biggest win in a while. Uh, let's check out Bob in Norman, Oklahoma. Hey, Bob. Hi, Paul. How you doing? Well, thank you. I uh, just wanted to bring some Oklahoma history to you. Please. Uh, that uh, uh, Bud's first black football player was Prentice Scott. And he recruited him in 1956. Oh, wow. I didn't and, realize that. And back then, uh, the freshmen couldn't play on the football team. They, there was a freshman team, and they played freshman games in the, right. in, in the Big Eight back then. And then uh, uh, is an, an interesting thing, back in 1959, they played Northwestern up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the whole football team went to 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 a restaurant to eat dinner, and they would not serve them because of a black. In in and Chicago, so whole, wow! 
in in Chicago, that's Illinois, amazing. And, that's amazing. And the whole and the whole team left and went elsewhere. Yeah, I so, mean, listen, anyway, Bob. I, I mean, we we both know. Sadly, that was a story that uh, was pervasive in the South. But I am shocked to hear that in Chicago, of all places, uh, that happened. Well, they must have been up on the North Shore in the highbrow area. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's. You know, I mean, I, all my friends who live up there who made fun of me being a Southerner all my life. Uh, that's pretty amazing to hear. Well, anyway, I just wanted. Well, to I appreciate. It. By the way, it. I did not. I didn't know that. We talked to. Uh, we talked to so many different uh, players who have who have been on the, at the front line, and uh, I did not. I was not aware that uh, Oklahoma was that early. That that's that's really quite uh, right. And, amazing. And then I think uh, Prentice became the athletic director at the University of Missouri. That is fantastic. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really eager to get to Norman and, uh, and, and people like you to, to learn so much more about this program. But that is, uh, that's really uh, reassuring to know. Hey, thank you so much for the call. Okay, take care. We've had, we've had a busy two hours. Uh, we, we had uh, Coach Yo on from Ole Miss and uh, just a fantastic conversation with her. We've also, uh, we just talked to uh, Ross about some of the major issues facing uh, college athletics, especially the CFP, Jesse Simonton, a little bit later on, and your phone calls on this President's Day. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.